Hi, I'm Ambika Gautam Pai. I'm a writer and the chief strategy officer of an ad agency called Mechanism. I'm a mom of two little babies and the sort of person who just cannot stop thinking. You are listening to Corner Office Breakdowns, a podcast that reconciles humanity and the workplace. Here we dive into conversations that usually happen in whispered tones or behind closed doors and bring them to the center, contemplating and breaking down the way leading and living have historically been done and rebuilding them together. Corner Office Breakdown sits at the intersection of business and leadership, equity and emotion, parenthood, womanhood, personhood, and as crazy as it sounds, the meaning of life. All of the guests you will hear from are people who have fundamentally changed my outlook. They may shift yours too. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you like this podcast. I hope you love it. I hope you share it. And I hope you subscribe. I genuinely don't know if I could be more excited about the conversation I'm going to share today with Aaron Gallagher. Aaron is not only an amazing friend of mine, but she is one of the most incredible people I have ever had the pleasure of encountering in my life. She is the CEO and founder of Ella. And Ella is an inclusive network which works to unlock women's access to human and financial capital. She has over 20 years of experience leading global marketing, comms, media relations, branding, DEI, and organizational change. And through Ella, she started um, an initiative called Fairway Dinners. It is an inclusive, intersectional, intentional space where women come together to do what men do on the golf course, thus the word fairway, and put money into each other's pockets. She brings together women of every race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, uh, marital and motherhood status from every business sector, from multiple generations, looking for funding and looking to fund at every level of their career and in corporate America or at startups or navigating the in-between or building and leaving companies. And if that is not enough... She has worked to put over $6 million in the pockets of the women who attend these dinners just purely by connecting them. It is a truly transformational space. I have been to multiple fairway dinners and I leave every single one feeling like I'm on cloud nine. I'm more ambitious, but simultaneously more grounded than ever. I mean, I could go on and on and on. But this conversation specifically is about the power of external validation and how as someone from a minority group in the United States, so much of what I am judged by and so much of the lens I am seen through is the lens of the average American, the white American. And therefore, I sometimes need external validation for someone to say, hey, wait, there is something here. 
or hey, this perspective of yours is critical, or hey, the conversations you're having on this podcast are what the world and the work world need right now. Because what I want to create and the change I'm trying to elicit isn't just about me or people like me. It's about people everywhere and people of all different upbringings, levels, backgrounds, etc. So Erin's external validation, her validation of me, her ability to see me and recognize something in me and then help me craft and foster my own potential has been so meaningful and so important. So yes, I'm super excited for you to listen to this conversation. I can't wait to hear what you think of it. And I hope it gives you whatever validation you have been looking for in order to be your best self and serve your highest purpose. So Erin, you have been such an important friend and figure in my life over the last two years. You were my first friend when I moved to Chicago. And I remember I had, I had literally just moved. I don't know how I even like thought to reach out other than our, our mutual friend, Jason Harris. Um, shout out Jason had <laughs> connected us. Shout and you had you. me over to your office at the time. And we literally just drank a bottle of wine on the rooftop. And like by the end, we're exchanging our like couples therapist numbers <laughs> and, nail, and nail people and masseuses. I mean, listen, that, that that's the trifecta of what's necessary. It is. It is. Manicures, yep. massages and. And marital communication with your with your spouse. Um but we've also talked a lot about work together and have navigated some choppy waters together in both of our careers. Um, and so this conversation is coming, what's the phrase on the heels, off the heels? On the heels, I think. On the heels of some immense change in both of our lives. And I think we've we've both had a year or two of waking up to who we are and who we want to be in this world and have really been supporting each other through it. And so this, this idea of external validation, not always being a bad thing, which is the thesis of our conversation today really comes from your support of me and it's a very personal starting point, right? Because I've been navigating a lot of insecurity the last few years, a lot of not knowing my place, a lot of, you know, what does it mean to be the only person of color in a space? What does it mean to be one of the only women in a space? What does it mean for actually all the intersectional parts of my identity to play a role in my life every day, whether it's in living or leadership. Um, and I have turned to you a lot. So first of all, thank you. Um, but I feel like it's so rare to 
have a friend who sees you in all aspects of yourself. And I feel like you were that for me. Um, and also you're just fucking dope. So I'm excited for pe people to get to know you. I'll take that. Um, so yeah, just like, let's start Aaron and tell me what's on your mind today. How about that? Let's start there. Well, I can't, I can't start there. I need to respond to a few things you just said, and then we'll, we'll oh go Lord. to that. Okay. <laughs> well, so I think that, you know, you and I also have this, this thing with butterflies. Ooh, and, yes. Right. And so that's really, that's really interesting, kind of magical, sort of mystical, because when you think about butterflies and you think about transformation and you think about the slow, steady crawling pace of a caterpillar mm -hmm. that then cocoons and transforms into something completely different and, and grows wings and is able to fly. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women, when they hit a certain point in their careers and their lives, whatever they're deciding to be mothers, not to be mothers mm -hmm. to be in relationships or marriages or not, there is something that happens where that crawling caterpillar is just not cutting it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you and I sort of cross paths at that same moment and where we were feeling the need to cocoon mm -hmm. and to transform into something completely different. Mm -hmm. And, and so we, in all of the ways that you have said, I have been that for you, you have been that for me, you have been with me behind the scenes as I really was navigating that career wise in the past mm -hmm. two years, knowing that I was ready to move on from something, but didn't quite know what it was going to become. And, and so that journey for women is incredibly complicated when it's, especially when it's happening at the same time that you are having children mm -hmm. and you are actually, your personality and your brain is changing. Mm -hmm. So both of us have kind of like navigated becoming new people while still trying to figure out our identity, both in our careers, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our parenting, in our, like just every single facet. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so like, you know, the, this idea of external validation, like we'll, we'll talk a lot about it during this, but who you decide to believe Mm. when you are seeking that external validation is the, the life or the death of you. Ooh, starting off with the zingers. <laughs> so, right. Yes, absolutely. So like we trust each other and we also, we also care and carry each other. Mm -hmm. That is a very different like in intimacy to share something with someone than a person who doesn't think about the full picture and, and how their yes. feedback is going to impact. That impact. is so true. That's so true because you're not just thinking about Ambika, the professional or Ambika, 
the strategist or Ambika, the employee of mechanism. You are thinking about Ambika, the mother, Ambika, the friend, Ambika, the wife, Ambika, the writer, Ambika, the blah, 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 blah. And so the way that we are able to give each other input and feedback in life is really through a much more holistic lens than I think most people. That is such a good point. And I think there is something really critical about being able to do that empathetically Mm -hmm. because empathy as someone is going through transformation through a metamorphosis means that you don't give the same feedback you always would because you are thinking about where they are right now. Mm -hmm. So if you or I is having a are having a tougher time just based on what we're navigating, we are not going to give the same critique, even if it's, you know, constructive. Yes. Yes. It's like, no, 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 you don't need that right now. You just need to be surrounded and loved and, and poured into. So Mm -hmm. that's the other thing that's, I think, you know, as we talk about and we think about your view on leadership, mm-hmm. like it's not a one size fits all. You you do have to acknowledge what's happening for people. And as someone myself who has struggled with postpartum depression after mm-hmm. having babies, I sure as fuck could not hear certain things. Mm-hmm. I was deep in it about my abilities and who I was. Like it would have been crushing in a way that wouldn't be at a later date. So we do have to acknowledge that where people are, um, it should change the way that we are giving our feedback, our validation, our how mm. we're moving them back to them. Yeah, the validator is just as important as the validation that you are receiving. That, that part, that yes, part, absolutely. Well, it's so. Of course, we're we're starting here. It's the only place that feels appropriate to start because the last time I saw you. We've gone a while without seeing each other longer than usual this this stretch, but we've had a lot going on. Yes. Um, but the last time I saw you was truly at the in the depths of my postpartum. Yeah. Um I had never felt the way I felt during that period of time, like so low in such a dark place not knowing if I would ever feel better, not, not seeing any way out. And I remember that day, um, I was about to like cancel on you. And there were two other, um, amazing friends of ours, friends of yours who have become friends of mine who were coming to the dinner as well. Um, and I was like, I don't know. I just, I have anxiety about coming out. Like I I don't have energy to do anything. I was like, I don't know what to wear. I don't have makeup on. My hair's a fucking mess. Like the going out with these glamazons. <laughs> glamazons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they are. I was just, yeah, I was in a really low place. And you texted me. I'm gonna pull it up, but I'm gonna continue talking because that text was deserves to be shared. Um, but you texted me basically being like, Ambika, that's exactly what this moment is for. It is for you to get that support. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anyone. You just fucking come to the dinner and let us like hold you and take care of you and 
speak to you in a way that like comes from a deep understanding of being mothers, being mothers of, you know, you all have slightly older kids than me, very slightly, especially you and your kids are still little too. Um, But sometimes you need people who have just been through it to talk to you about life and to give you some perspective and to be like, are you joking? You look so beautiful on your like three hours of sleep and zero makeup and your hair is in a, you know, kind of gross looking bun or whatever it is. <laughs> no, it was a chignon. Okay. It was a fucking chignon girl. Okay. That's me today too. Honestly, it it's, is. It today looks- was like my hair mask day. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do all my meetings on camera in this fucking hair mask bun because it is, it is that's, shiny. That's and the world shiny. we're in today. That's right. Um, but you're so right that the same way we have a sense of discernment on who to take advice from, who we go to for advice, whose criticisms we listen to, et cetera, et cetera. We need that same level of discernment when it comes to validation. And Validation, external validation has been such a sticking point of a topic in my life in particular, because I was very insecure growing up. I had no confidence. I am a very deeply conditioned people pleaser that I'm still unsure how to navigate around in my life. Um, And my worth has been so intrinsically tied to what other people think of me, what they say about me and my output, right? My very traditional output. And so I've had a, yes, I've had a very complicated relationship with this idea. And when I was working on my book and getting rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection and all of the rejections I think you put one too many in there I I don't I think maybe 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 yeah maybe or or a few too too few but you know what was so challenging is they're like this isn't about the writing the writing is amazing. This isn't about the topic. The topic is really interesting. This is about you. Like this is that was supposed to be a relief. I, I was so I was like, oh, I was nervous that my writing was going to fucking suck because I, you know, it's my passion, but it's not like I get to do it all the time or that the topics were not as like unique or interesting. But they're like, no, no, that's all great. It, it's it's you like why should we invest in you? Who are you? Like, you don't have a following on social media. And so I went into like full on crisis mode because I was like, yeah, who the fuck am I? Like, why should these people invest in me? And so external validation, like my people around me seeing me and being like, no, like you are somebody. I, that was a, that was very healing for me. And so that's why, you know, I was like, oh, but I've always thought about external validation as this like yucky thing about exerting power and like, you know, 
assigning people their worth. But I saw a very beautiful flip side to it where I was like, no, it can also be somebody saying, I see you the way you deserve to be seen. Mm. Yeah. That, that doesn't often come from people that don't know you well. Mm -hmm. I think that there's just, there is another layer of care that comes along with, with that. And, you know, I've realized that we're taught growing up so often that unconditional love is what our parents have for us. Mm. That's the message. And guess what? That ain't the truth all the time. We, a lot of us have parents where the love is quite conditional Mm. or it is completely absent or they've abdicated their duties. There's lots of different ways that this shows up. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting as we get older and, and we think about the new relationships that we are creating and forming around ourselves that are with friends. And I think, you know, we, we have like a sisterhood Mm -hmm. between us and between, uh, you know, some of these other women. And so when I think about that night, when we came together, it was like, that was unconditional love. Mm -hmm. It's like what you needed was unconditional love in that moment, Mm -hmm. free from judgment, free from, questioning, free from advice on Mm -hmm. how to not feel the way you feel, Mm -hmm. which is invalidating by the way. Yes. And instead just a surrounding and a soft place to land. And so, you know, the people pleasing, which so many of us either are still or are trying to recover from or have recovered from People pleasing really is about abandonment of self because it means I am going to abandon what I need, what I believe in order for you to be happy. Mm -hmm. And so if you do that for a really long time, you don't even know who you are anymore Mm -hmm. because you've given up so much of what you thought, wanted, believed for other people that there isn't much left sort of at that core anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that is where some of these existential crises come from, these identity crises, Mm -hmm. because we have been in service to others, right? We have, our worth has been tied to our service to other Mm -hmm. people, our performance. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we stop doing that and we're stuck with ourselves, that's this moment of like, oh shit, like what's left? What's, what's, what's still here and by the way, of what's still here, what what's worth salvaging and what is worth just completely rebuilding in a different way? Mm-hmm. So like the experience that you went through with, with the book, which is just like really enraging to me because I see so often with women, it's about proof. Mm-hmm. And with men, it's about potential. And so the message to you was, prove to us that you deserve our energy or time Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't believe overall the same messages sent to men. And, and again, some of the metrics they're using to determine whether or not you are meeting the criteria of what they feel as someone who is like, quote unquote, known really archaic old school Mm -hmm. ways of, of that. And also again, not acknowledging that you are a chief strategy officer at a really high 
performing high intensity job with two babies at home that you <laughs> birthed and are raising, right? So it's like, what? So again, when are when are you supposed to do all this other stuff? So there's just there's this. This goes back to also, you know, something that, um, that is talked about in, in a couple of different places, um, including Evrodsky's book, mm-hmm. um, where it's the difference between viewing women's time as infinite, like sand, and viewing men's time as finite, like diamonds. And so if we view women's time as infinite, you should be able to do all of the things. And your time is worth less because you have so much of it. Mm-hmm. So that's the message that we've been sent for so long. And, and so I think it's not surprising that like the external validation is confusing because we're getting a lot of messages from people that don't know us, care about us, or have any desire to see us succeed. Do we take that? Does that hold the same weight as people that love us unconditionally? Yeah. It sure as fuck shouldn't. Right. But you're so right. Like I, and I wrote this down when we were talking earlier, it's like some people get automatic validation, like validation is just poured onto them and into them, whether it's through nepotism, whether it's through familiarity bias, whether it's through like the, what do you get a beer with that person test? Like, Oh, I'd love to get a beer with that guy. And other people are not bestowed the same automatic validation and validation really needs to be earned. And that's what I was feeling. I was like, wait, people without social media followings have been selling books for all of time. Like, and I see people on LinkedIn publishing books all the time. And it was such a devastating, like truly devastating. Um, And in fact, was the inciting incident, if you will, for my literary folks out there, that actually prompted, it it was the trigger into my depression. Yeah. Was this book stuff. And um, not getting the support I was really looking for and wanting and then being told like being made to feel I wasn't worthy of that support because I'm not like an A-list celebrity. And it's just like the fact that my ideas were being judged on a scale of celebrity and notoriety, right? Yeah. Yeah. Notoriety versus the ideas and the writing itself was, it felt, it felt insurmountable. I was like, okay, well that's fucking that. Right. Cause you're like, how am I going to go do that overnight? Like that's, that's a, people have a team of people that get them that level of following and right. And so like, I'm here trying to do this on top of everything else. And, and again, the problem with that message is that they're just going to keep publishing books by more of the same then. If we are not seeking out and surrounding, validating and publishing voices that we aren't always hearing from, we are going to get the same output, the same books, the same messages, the same lived experiences. Mm -hmm. So that's, that to me is like really, it's, 
it's detrimental to have that that message. And I don't, I hope it's not the message of all publishers, but it was, it was the experience yes. that you had. Right. Mm-hmm. And so at what point is it like, okay, well, let's, let's see if that's just kind of what I'm hearing here, or is this a theme, you know, something you were just saying, like, I think there's also a difference between wanting your experience validated versus your existence validated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what I find a trigger for me in my personal or professional life is when I, when, when an experience I've had is invalidated, mm-hmm. meaning, Hey, this is what just happened. And then, I mean, it's, it's again, the, kind of the definition of being gaslit. Right. And someone says, I don't think that's the way that it actually happened. That's yes. not what the person meant. You are making too big a deal of it. All of those things. Right. So if you grow up in an environment where your experiences are invalidated a lot, you'd start to question yourself because you're like, what is real and what is in my head? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is, that is a very tactical thing for, you know, whether it's a romantic relationship or a professional relationship, like that's an abusive tool, to use, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. just, is to invalidate an experience so often that the person doesn't even know what's real anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, invalidating someone's existence that's like that's that is the worst kind of of trauma and oh, yeah. and toxicity because it is all encompassing right you don't matter versus what just happened and didn't happen the way you thought it did so it is not surprising to me that the invalidation of your existence in that comment led to a nosedive into a depression. Yes. It was sort of like, Ambika, you don't fucking matter. That's exactly what it felt like. And, uh, oof, yes. And that is very triggering too, as somebody who, you know, I'm the first person in my entire lineage born in the United States. I was born in a house, like in a joint family household with people who came from India or had had um, spent some time in the UK from India and then come to the States. But, you know, I, I was navigating two very distinct worlds yeah. um, through my entire childhood, adulthood, even now sometimes. And my existence was invalidated in both. Mm -hmm. At home, I was like, there was, everyone always said, these American kids or like, you know, it was it was said in, in a derogatory way of like, the Western ideals are so different than ours. And like you want to wear a tank top, these American kit, like just, yeah. you know, deeply invalidating. But then also, you know, I'm this little Indian girl in the U.S. who didn't speak great English, like had picked up an accent from her families, like didn't pronounce things the same way and literally was getting ridiculed as like a four year old. That's probably one of my first memories. And so in in every aspect, I felt invalidated. 
And so in this particular, and this is like, you know, years of insecurity, years of keeping myself quiet. Finally, like I have my first kid and I'm like, fuck it. What do I have to lose? And I pour my, (laughs) pour my entire soul into this thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this is really fucking good, but like, you're not good enough, but you're not. Yeah. And it's like so crazy to me to, to think those two things can be separated. Yeah. For for them to say that three things existed, writing a topic and you. Yeah. And I'm sorry, those three things are inextricably linked. It, absolutely. So, so the pulling a part of that is, is it's wrong. Like at, mm-hmm. at like just the most base level, it's a wrong, it's a wrong thing to do. It's, it's wrong in terms of the way that you speak to someone and message something. So again, I think what's so interesting about what happens as we get older and I'm 41, you're, you're like a little younger baby than me. <laughs> um, so, so let someone in my forties, yeah. let, let me just say what, what, what happened to me last year you know, really specifically to what we talked about, about people pleasing is I just made a decision to no longer abandon myself in service yes. to others because I recognized how, how much I was just disappearing because of mm. the, because I let the external validation of people that were unsafe, toxic, did not deserve to have that kind of power. I let their validation or invalidation of me be the be all end all. Mm -hmm. Something happens when we decide that we determine who has access to us that starts to get, it takes our power back. So when I think, Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, when I think about those publishers, I'm like, no, you don't get to say that about Ambika. So Mm -hmm. fuck off. We're moving on to someone else, right? Like, no, 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 sorry. That isn't actually information that we deem to be true. So Mm -hmm. you are, take that and shove it because that's not something that we're allowing into our space. Yeah. And I just, you know, this is such a expansive experience. Like so many people experience this level of invalidating their existence, Like we have invalidated the entire indigenous community's existence in this country. Yep. We have invalidated plenty of black people's existence in this country and historically excluded, which thank you for um, reorienting me to that term earlier in our conversation, Aaron, historically excluded people are historically excluded just purely based on their identity. Yep. It's the ultimate invalidation. Existence, like erasing of existence. Um, And so that is, there is a much more complicated, deeper world issue and specifically U.S. issue around the invalidation and erasing of historically excluded folks, right? I mean, it's happening right now with, with removal of the truth about history from books and teaching 
yeah. Across America. So, so like, just because you don't want to talk about something doesn't mean it didn't happen. Just because yes. you don't, just because you're uncomfortable with, with a truth doesn't mean that you can erase it from the experience of people. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take those of us who are willing to talk about the experiences that make people uncomfortable. Yes. Whose existence makes people uncomfortable. Yes. To continue to link arms and walk forward together because mm -hmm. we are going to continue to come up against resistance because it is uncomfortable. Erin, I want to go back to something you said about one of your previous workplaces where you said you had put too much energy and attention into what other people thought of you before realizing that actually they were trying to diminish you all along. Mm -hmm. What was that realization? Like when was the moment that it hit you? Because I feel like for some of us, we may not even realize it's happening. Absolutely. I think if it's working, you don't realize it's happening. Mm -hmm. That's the scariest part. It's, it's the definition of, um, trauma bonding and also the experience of Stockholm syndrome where you believe the people that are telling you what's happening versus your own experience. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, this is a really, it's a very, um, it's a tactic that has a ton of power only as long as the power, as the power is over you. So yes. I, I can think back to kind of like what happened. The experience that I was having in my last job was a continuation of an experience that I was having in the previous job with a person that, that really understood my vulnerabilities and my strengths and used the admiration and validation in, in, in like, um, interchangeably with the criticism and the invalidation mm. so that I would never really knew where I was and I never really knew where I stood. And so that keeps you from feeling strong because you're just not quite sure what's going on most of the time. And you're always trying to, to please, but the way that you please and the way that that pleasing is, is received changes often. Right. So that's kind of, I think this happens so much in corporate America, yeah. especially when you have sort of these toxic leaders who are, who have a lot of younger folks that are working for them that are trying to make, make their careers into something. And they are, they're, they're still figuring out who they are at the same time. So I think for me, what I finally realized it was a combination of two, two things. It was actual like physical sickness. Like mm. my body was like, Hey, turns out you're not going to pay attention. You're going to keep doing this until, until it is so far gone. So we're going to, you're going to get sick and you're oh, going to, you right? were so sick. Aaron. So sick. So sick. You are going to get sick. You're going to need to be hospitalized because you're not paying attention. We're trying to tell you, we're giving you the signs. And so I, I think I have so many friends who have gotten incredibly sick yeah. in the past few years because they just were going to keep pushing until it finally, it finally took them down. So your immune system, it, it gets really taken for a ride when, when you are 
burning the candle from both ends and you're exhausted and you all, and you just have cortisol coursing yeah. through your veins, right? Yes. So there was that. And it was, again, it was the, the unconditional love of a lifelong friend mm. that helped me to remember who I was. And so I, in November, two years ago, the first time my friend from my best friend from seventh grade, Danielle and I, like we hadn't seen each other all of COVID and we went on a like four day trip to get away from our children (laughs) (laughs) and to remember what it was like to like have a meal. Yes. You weren't feeding other people. Right. So we went to Palm Springs and we just like went real fucking deep. Right. Like we got journals. We like listened to like podcasts. We discussed it all. And we talked about so many of the boundaries that had been violated that we were allowing to be violated. Mm. And so I think we gave each other our power back. Hers was more about what was happening with her, like family of origin versus family of creation. And mine was really what was happening with me professionally. And we both realized this is actually all within our control. Yeah. We can stop this. And I know it feels hard and it's not going to be simple and it's going to like be bumpy, but, but we really actually are allowing this boundary violation and boundary crossing to happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's time that we make a change. So I think for me, I was doing things that I am good at and I know I'm good at. And I was being told that I wasn't enough and I was Mm -hmm. doing that job. And I literally was like, I, I finally came out of this fog And I looked above my body down at what was happening. And I was like, this is wrong. So like we talked about, Ambika, that external validation from people that don't want you to be successful, people that don't love you unconditionally, people that maybe have a different agenda that is going to require a diminishing of you. If you believe that, then you can continue along a very destructive path. Yes, absolutely. So I finally recognized that that validation, invalidation, that feedback was incorrect. Yes. So that was, that was for me, the switch. It was just like, you're told so often in work that what people are telling you is correct. And that it's, it's all with the benefit of you getting better, but it turns out most of it is actually very wrong. It's wrong, it's abusive, it's it's biased. So we have to question what we are told is is feedback, validation, constructive criticism, and push back on things that are actually really, really not right. And when we do that, we find ourselves again. And we also we realize that there is good in what we're doing, even if it is not seen by everyone. So that was for me, it was like, I remembered who I was. I I just finally, like I snapped out of it for some reason, Mm. um, a real sort of like zombie-like state that I had been in for a long time. And I just said, I I don't deserve this anymore. Mm. And when you decide that you don't deserve it, people don't change, but that you change the access they have to you. Right, right. Um, there's this really amazing Toronto Burke quote passage from her book Unbound that's about her relationship with her mother. 
And the line actually changed the relationship I have with my mom and probably the relationship that I had professionally that I decided to make a, a, a big decision about. And it was the difference between desire and capacity. Yeah. You, you said this to me like six months ago and I oh, yeah, thought well, about it like every day. I mean, it's, it just fucked me up. So I think the most telling and important thing that you can discover in a relationship, whether it's personal or professional that you have is the distance between a person's desire and capacity. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people who don't actually have a lot of desire to make you feel validated, to make you feel seen, to see you be successful. And if you, if you finally realize that and can own up to that, the difference between desire and capacity is sort of a moot point, right? We're talking more about the, the extra confusing experience of a person whose desire is quite high to yes. do their thing, right? To, to love you in the way that you need to be loved, yes. to be the mother or the father that you need, to be the spouse that you deserve, to be the friend that sees you the way that you need to be seen, to be the boss that wants to see you succeed, all of those things, right? So when that desire is quite high, but the capacity is low, you are going to be disappointed continually. And it is very difficult once you are past a certain age for people to change. And especially mm -hmm. not if they either don't want to, or they're just not even interested in acknowledging that there's something that they might want to work on. So when you see that there is that big sort of chasm between desire and capacity, mm -hmm. you have to work with the capacity level and you have to say, okay, this is what's going to be possible for my relationship with my mother. And so I'm not going to hope for the, for what is being communicated to me as the desire Yeah, but that I'm going to acknowledge and accept the reality of what the capacity is. I will be less disappointed because of that. And everyone will actually be set up to be more successful. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that like, it's, it's really painful and tough as we become parents and we're thinking about our parents in a different light, Yeah, but it also happens professionally all the time where mm -hmm. you have people that seem like they really want the best, but they're just not going to be able to deliver it in a way yes. that you yeah. So Aaron, tell me about how all of this, the experience you've had with external validation, kind of reconciling how to validate yourself after you, you kind of woke up to yourself again and how you have funneled that into this hype woman movement like this. I, I mean, the fucking cool part is I was there that morning. You were there. You were there. Girl, this you were there. like coffee date. We both had our notebooks out. I remember I was writing with a crayon. Yeah, because you that's were. all I had in my purse. That's right. Um, okay. Tell everyone. Regale us. Yeah. So <laughs> here's the regalement. So I think, you know, what's interesting about like, yeah, external validation is just so complicated. It's it is. It's really nuanced. And and so, you know, my my shift, my take, and kind of what happened with hype women and what happened for me in the past year was the the owning of the fact that 
the feedback giver, the validator, mm-hmm. choosing who has that access is more important than what they say. Say that again. That's what I've realized. So it's one thing to say, I'm looking for external validation to tell me that I'm going to, that I can write this book and have it published. Uh-huh. It's quite another to say, I'm going to interview potential publishers and decide whose validation is Mm. the one that I am going to believe and trust and pour myself into. Yes. Because not all external validation is valid to you and helpful. Yes. And what I finally realized was that that is our choice. I think when we're younger, we're told that all of it is important and you need to take it all in. And I just don't fucking agree with that anymore. Yeah. Right. So we have to be, we have to discern who we allow to have access to us, who we allow to validate or invalidate our experiences. Yeah. So um, with hype women, it was an acknowledgement that women are very, like we have been taught, especially in the professional setting, to view one another as threats mm-hmm. and to see each other as competition and to to really have a scarcity mindset that says your promotion is a, me not getting a promotion, yeah. right? Your seat at that table is my spot that I didn't get. Your, your being on this podcast or speaking at that conference takes away from my my success. And really all that is, is conditioning. We've been taught that because it's a really effective tool to keep us down mm-hmm. because we actually are focusing on the wrong thing. And we're spending our energy trying to take each other down versus lift each other up and become collectively more successful, more accomplished, better versions of, of who we have the potential to be. Mm-hmm. So I think once we acknowledge, like, I think so much of like what the issues are, are conditioning. And if we can say to ourselves, okay, we're acknowledging that that's conditioning. Therefore, I would like to make a different decision. And so here I am making a different decision. That is how we start to shift behavior and how we start to sort of change, you know, create a seismic shift. So hype women was an encouragement to just let that go. And to instead say, when Ambika says, on LinkedIn, I got a podcast. Instead of thinking, what does she think that she, how does she have a fucking podcast? Yeah. Why don't I have a podcast? Which is a very normal reaction for a lot of people and a lot of women specifically to, even if you have that feeling to go, of course I'm thinking that it has nothing to do with Ambika and her skills. It has everything to do with what I've been taught about mm-hmm. how her success impacts mine. I'm going to make a different decision. And instead I'm going to hype the shit out of her. Yes. I'm going to post about it and say, you better listen to this podcast and check it out. And what's interesting is once that happens, we like release that, that scarcity and that like Mm -hmm. keeping from one another. And we just open up an abundance, abundance sort of way of, of being. So I mean, I don't like, I don't know if the whole hype woman story is important. I think what's just interesting, why what happened was what we saw when Jamie Lee Curtis reacted to Michelle Yeoh winning Best Actress at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And we just, it was this like very visceral, 
almost guttural response mm-hmm. of like sheer joy and excitement that we just mm-hmm. don't often see with women for other women. Yes. So, you know, I've, there's been a lot of like, there's been incredible support for this. And there's also been pushback in a couple of areas. One area was, isn't this just centering a white woman in an experience where an Asian woman is actually the person who should be validated Mm. and be supported. And my response to that was it's both. We've been told Mm -hmm. as women that it's one at a time, right? That it's about Michelle winning or Jamie hyping. And what we have to do as part of the deconditioning is say, we will not allow you to now make this a fight against one another because they tried to do this. It's both. Michelle is a goddess. And what she did was historic and she should get all of the attention that she deserves for that. And that should have nothing to do with what's going on over here. So we have to push back on the system that continues to try to make us fight one another and, and make us smaller. They just want us to like dim down, dim down, dim down. Mm -hmm. And then the other pushback was the exact issue that the hype women movement set out to address and to eliminate. Mm -hmm. And it was that women talking about themselves is so gratuitous Mm. and self-serving, selfish, and like obnoxious, honestly. Mm -hmm. So this was as much about hyping other women as it was about us learning to hype ourselves and us learning to be able to come out and say, I'm starting a podcast because I'm fucking brilliant and it's been recognized and my voice matters and not also saying, and I guess they just couldn't find anyone else, right? All these other things that we say that minimize the mm-hmm. success that we have because we feel so uncomfortable talking about ourselves. Both of those things, we have to be able to do both. So the other thing that's happened that goes right along with this external validation is like, you cannot receive external validation or decipher it if you cannot internally validate yourself first. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn the hard way to do that and to start to believe that my opinion on what I was doing mattered the most mm. and was the most critical and beneficial to the decisions that I was making. And of course, there were a handful of folks that I felt were really helpful in, in checking out what I was doing and giving me thoughts and feedback. But again, if we don't trust ourselves, if we don't even know who we are anymore, because we've abandoned ourselves so much, we seek out more external validation because we don't even fucking know anymore. Yeah. If we don't know who we are, then we sure as hell don't know if what we're doing is right Mm -hmm. or, or good. And so before seeking external validation, before starting to decipher it, before even trying to validate yourself, this all comes back to figuring out who you are. Who are mm-hmm. you right now? It is likely different than the person that you were one or two years ago, especially if you just had children, if you've taken on a new job, if you've mm-hmm. just moved, if you have a new relationship, a new boss, whatever. And so it's sitting with yourself and saying, what matters to me now? What are my priorities and what do I need? Yeah. And if we can do that, it's going to be really difficult to allow other people's thoughts and feedback about us to not deeply penetrate in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other part two of that is really thinking about 
who your validators are going to be. Whose opinions are you going to trust about something as precious as your work, your idea, your identity, your self-worth? Because that's that's the trap that I fell into is I let people who don't even know me at all tell me and make me feel like I wasn't worthy. And the minute I was like, but I believe in this. I believe that I do have something to say. I believe that it's not about creating TikToks, which I did for a while. And it was interesting. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's about understanding yourself, understanding your goals, why you're why you're doing what you're doing and why it matters so much to you that you're willing to shut out the haters, if you will. Mm-hmm. But also then saying, I don't accept this feedback. I don't accept this point of view. I don't I don't accept your opinion of my work because it doesn't matter as much as my opinion of my own work. That is, that's the most powerful piece. And guess what? Men do that every day. They say, yeah, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I'm not trying to make this a binary thing that all men, all women, we have people that are all along the spectrum, but it's what we have seen historically in, in corporate America. Yes. And, and again, we as women have allowed other people to tell us who we are. Mm Mm-hmm. And we don't have to, we absolutely don't have to. And, and like you said, like when you're selecting those validators, it's like mm-hmm. you're 18, who's yes. your 18, right? Yeah. So think about that night where you were like, here are all the reasons why showing up is going to be way too hard to this mm-hmm. dinner. And of course, in your most vulnerable state, all of those things were mountains to climb. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was sort of like, girl, but you, this is your A-team. You just need to come and just sit so that we can surround you. Mm. But it's really hard to do that when as a woman, you are told that you need to be in control and composed and, and not needy and not insecure and not vulnerable because those weaknesses make you like really unattractive. Yep. Right? Or like nobody can believe in you. Nobody can trust you. You can't be a leader. Right, right. That like you have to always be so strong and sure. And that's just not possible. No. And so anyone that is just showing you that is not being completely authentic. And they could be doing a lot better of a job if they were willing to show that other side that connected them to others and made others feel validated. Sometimes... Mm. It's not even that I have to directly say something about you, Ambika. It might be that I say something that is true for me and that validates your experience. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's like, that's honestly why, again, we all feel comfortable uh, talking about our own things, but that is why the hype woman movement to me was such a pivotal and important part of this conversation because even if it's in a, a you know our circles right now it is fucking normalizing putting women up on a pedestal yep. it is normalizing women celebrating each other's accomplishments yes. and frankly it's giving women the confidence to say 
oh yeah, what I'm doing is fucking incredible <laughs> and I'm going to post about it. And Aaron Gallagher is probably going to retweet me. That's for sure. Right. And like, and so again, I wanted to, to like create something that was an easy sort of call to action that, that says, if you are talking about yourself and you use this hashtag, I will repost it yeah. because that is validating your experience. And it is showing, it's like you just said, it's normalizing it versus if we hadn't identified this and called it out, we would all be quite judgmental of the people that were doing this, yes. right? especially if they were doing it about themselves, maybe not as much if they were doing it about someone else. But again, most women wouldn't have been doing that about someone else because they would be feeling jealousy or envy because that's what they had been mm -hmm. conditioned to do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, when we named this and we put it out there and we, and we said something that was such an inherent truth for people that one that they are not proud of and they don't want to hold on to, that is where the freedom to change comes, comes mm. and comes out. And what it, the hope is, is that we're getting more women's experiences and successes in the public eye because mm. we're so quiet about our shit, right? Mm -hmm. We're so subdued about it. And then again, proof versus, versus um, potential. Yeah. If we are ever saying what we're doing, then we, we are not even giving them the proof that they need mm -hmm. and not that we owe it to them, but you know, it's just, it's, it's just this whole, we've been sold a lie that, that, being humble is honorable. Mm. We've been sold a lie because oh, humility, yes. humility is a, is a silencing tactic. Ooh. And, and it's the same thing with likability, right? We've been sold. A, we've been sold a lie that likability is, is this aspirational way of being when really it is a silencing tactic. And so when we look at all of these conditions that have, that are truly in place to make women smaller, quieter NDAs, right? All of this stuff to, to make experiences disappear. It's because we are a part of systems that weren't built by or for us that have no interest in changing. Mm -hmm. So that shift is happening and it continues to happen in bigger ways every every week, every month, every year that people like you, people like me are saying the truth about what's happening, giving people the validation that they need if they're not in a place where they can say it. Mm -hmm. I know that I have a ton of freedom as someone who doesn't work for anyone anymore. Therefore, I feel deep responsibility to talk about stuff that's incredibly uncomfortable and hard. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we, we have to keep doing that. Oh, God, preach, 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 preach. Oh, well, Erin's drinking her water. She's winding down. Her kids are home. Are you gonna water? <laughs> True. How do I know it's water is a very good question. I'm kidding. It, it is 4.15 p.m. Um, But Erin, I love you. I feel so grateful to have you in my life because we, this, this is like, our normal mealtime conversation. Um, and I think these sorts of topics are so important to break down and really dissect and discuss and, and create our own meaning out of. Um, so I hope everyone found some meaning in this. 
Um, and Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love you. I'm deeply grateful for your voice, your perspective, your vulnerability. It makes the world a better place. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.